Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, the podcast where a egomaniacal, a bastard, a mean, selfish comedian talks to a relationship therapist based in Gosford about oh all God, things <laughs> dating, sex, and relationship related in the modern world. We mm-hmm. have subscriptions available. And various perks at each level of subscription. If you'd like to ask us a question, uh, we're going to be answering another question this podcast. Go to neilcolhacker.com slash podcasts. $15 a month will get you a question and all the money goes to charity. For $5 a month, we'll do a shout out. So, neilcolhacker.com slash podcasts. I have shows on in Sydney every week. Make sure you come to that. They've been selling like hotcakes the last two weeks. Um, neildan.com. Also one in Melbourne. December 5th, this should be, by the time this podcast goes out, it'll only be about a week away, so come along to that. And of course, this podcast is very proudly sponsored by Crush Organic CBD Oil. Hell, all the relationship problems in the world will be solved if everyone took a couple of drops of CBD oil every night from Crush Organics. CrushOrganics.com, that's Crush with a K. Use the code NEIL for 40% off, N-E-E-L, a lot of people. They say they're fans of me, still can't even spell my damn name. So, Neil is spelled N-E-E-L. I know that's different, but it's very logical. But, yes, use the code Neil <laughs> for 40% off Crush Organics products. Uh, they have bath bombs, gummies, oh. daily night oil, everything you need. Everything you need. CrushOrganics.com. Eliza, how are you? How's it going? Good. My friend actually got um, CBD oil for her psycho dog and said it's like he's completely changed. Like he, She said that at 4pm on the, on the dot, he'd go like crazy. He's recently rescued. He'd bite her. He'd knock all the furniture over. He'd destroy everything every single day on the dot. Mm. And now since doing it, nothing. Nada. Well, maybe you need that for your dog because you're having a few uh, issues but she's with not yours. Like, She's not escalated. She's just like okay. such a, a doofus. Like, I don't know if it's going to solve it. I may as well try it. I haven't heard that word for so long. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Like, it's not it's not so much hyperactivity. It's just that the issue with my dog is, one, she eats our staircase. She loves the fucking stairs and she won't stop eating them. And the other issue is that she loves people and she jumps on them all the time. No matter how much they get mad at her, she'll just keep jumping on them. So if you have any tips, I mean, let me know. Cute, that's cute. Mm? Could you just yeah, keep well, her Yeah, well, that's the thing. Is she's very young. So she's either... Mm, okay. on, her birthday, we don't know. It's either January 2020 or November 2020 because they gave us both days. So she's either just a year old or a year and a half or coming up to two years. Could you so, keep her outside or anything like that? Or is that a bit... A bit much. Yeah, we do. she's an inside and outside dog. It's just like yeah. Yeah, two days ago, I took her to the park and there was a little girl going into preschool and my fucking dog ran and charged at her, jumped on her and knocked her over and then oh just happily ran right. back to me. And That's... it was I was mortified. I was so Ooh. apologetic. I was like, I'm that person now whose dog is uncontrolled. Were the parents of the she girl was, angry? The mother was furious and I was totally, okay. I was like, that was 100%. Yeah. My responsibility and really poor dog parenting. I'm so sorry. I would, thought we were the only people in this park. I did not see you pull in. I would have put her in the lead. I'm really sorry. And then she was, was a bit like, whatever. Was the girl hurt? No, she was fine. 
like okay. she was absolutely fine. She just fell on her bum, and then Nellie was licking her face. Um, okay. She was just excited. She loves she loves kids and she loves people, but she's just she's a big dog. So, how big yeah. is she? Big? <laughs> right. No, she's a she's medium. She's a cattle dog cross staffy. Oh, that's not that big. Yeah, but like, like she's. Little... I think maybe I'm quite used to smaller dogs. I haven't had a big okay. dog in a few years, but um, hmm. she's enough that you know when she jumps on you and she elbows you and like stands on you all the time. She, it hurts. Like she's yeah. a, she's heavy. Look at look at you. You know how you you would always say like, oh, the youth, the youth on TikTok, and I'd always say, no, look, we're twenty seven. We're still the youth. But now hearing you talking about your dog behavior problems, <laughs> going know, to the so local old. park, getting <laughs> mad at the neighbors. After you, oh with all this neighbor, na- all these neighborhood issues. Yeah, you you. I don't think you're part of the youth anymore. I it's think I you're. Had, uh, I turned 27 like two weeks ago, so now I'm like, I'm, I'm like, got to step into my old age now. <laughs> you're well and truly suburban. You've settled down. Um, what? How does 27 feel? Because I think there's a big difference between being a 27 year old man and being a 27 year old woman. Obviously, one of those huge differences is a uh, biological clock. I mean, it's still not. Yeah. It's it's it's. You've still got plenty of years left, but Thanks. you definitely. Well, I think you do. I don't know. I haven't checked your fertility, but uh, <laughs> you, it, it then suddenly hits you. I, I mean, I only am saying this because I've spoken to a few of my female friends who are about that age. I, it seems to be as soon as you, you hit twenty five, which is so young, it, it you suddenly starts to realize, oh, I'm not a I'm not a young girl anymore, and then. By the time you get to late 20s, it's... Uh, I was watching my um, my friend Beck do a uh, stand-up spot. In fact, go go follow her and Alex. They're great. Um, is Alex a girl as well or a, a, bo- a male man? He's a male. He's a man. Okay. Alex, uh, A-L-E-K-S. He'll be watching Hi. this, so... Hi, out. Alex. Um, and she's doing this joke about... Oh, you know, I'm 27 now and I can just feel the men no longer being attracted to me. Now, it's a joke, obviously, but there's, there's clearly there's some truth. sort of reality yeah. there. And yeah. Is that, do, have you, I, I mean, do yeah. you experience that? Is that really, yeah. by 27, you feel less attractive? Yes. Do you know what's so, I was literally thinking about this Damn. like yesterday. And yeah. I was thinking about how having flashbacks to being like, 21 or 22 and always putting a lot of effort into like my appearance and and very much like my style was just sexy like I was always my tits were always out I was always like dressing a little bit scandalous being like I'm a sexology student like really cringe now to think back on it but I remember so vividly thinking all the time I will always prioritize and put so much effort into like this is my identity is being like you know an attractive and sexual person and i want to like live now anyway five years have passed i could not give two shits about like my how i look now or my attractiveness like that has just like drastically gone and i keep thinking i gotta get back to that i gotta get back to like you know dressing up and doing the nut but then like two minutes later i'm like no i'm not but definitely like the approach from men as well has like uh, well, it's hard to tell because I'm—it's very obvious how like committed I am to Adrian on my social right, media. Right. So I don't really have that much access 
or, or comments coming in from men anymore about that. Um, whereas I, even at the start of our relationship a year and a half ago, I was still getting flooded. So unless I've drastically changed since being 25 and a half to 27, maybe, but who knows? And like, I'm also not going out anymore as much because one lockdown and two, I've moved to the central coast out of the city and I don't know anyone up here yet. So I don't know what it's like. And I work in a heavily female dominant dominated field but what i have found interesting is even though my birthday was only two weeks ago in the last like month or so everyone is asking me when are you going to get engaged are you guys talking about babies like where will you get married and i find that so interesting because you know we've only been together a year and a half and you know if you were 24 people would be like way too young wait three years two years now everyone's like oh it's been weird isn't it because it's not that big a gap 24 to 27 yet uh do, for whatever reason, mid twenties you tend to change a lot. Well, yeah. I found I, I I found I did. It's when your brain's finalized its development. Yes. So, and your spine as well, apparently. So if you're young, really? please get in really good posture while you can, because yeah, once you're in your like twenties, it like permanently fuses. So if it's not great, oh, it's just God. gonna go be downward spiral well, for the rest of your life. It's all downhill from here for both I know of people us. People are gonna fact check me on that. That's that's a very like anecdotal thing I've heard. So. Um, that is not a statistic. Please don't come at me for that. But well, hopefully it's not fully fused. Hopefully I can still grow a bit. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah, like I literally just before starting this podcast, I was telling you like shit. Like I like all of a sudden, and like I need a baby. I need one. This is my biological. I'm like, come on, get pregnant. Damn, that sounds very stressful. Whereas That's I fine. think for a lot of guys. <laughs> Well, yeah. the, the, the stereotype hmm. is that uh, guys, a lot of guys my age in the city mm-hmm. don't have their shit together. You know, they're still figuring things out. They, they, they still might be living for the weekend, partying with the boys, which is fun. Don't get me wrong. Love doing that. I do it every Thursday. Thursdays <laughs> are for the boys. But uh, there are other... Pri- no, it's not cringe. It's a great culture. <laughs> The boys. All right. Mm. Hey, I got a Polaroid wall wall now at my comedy show. So I take little photos on the memory. So, you know, the boys can be soft too. Yeah. (laughs) They can be soft or hard. So, uh, what do you prefer when your boys are? Do you like them soft or do you? I love them hard. I love my boys nice and hard, but with a soft side. That's good. That's good. Yeah, beautiful. Not as hard as me. I don't like that. That's intimidating. But a good hard to soft ratio, you know? You need a bit of that. You like to be the one person in the group that's really hard while all the other guys are soft. Yeah, like everyone. Everyone <laughs> likes to be the top dog. Everyone thinks they are and they're probably not. I'm probably not. We, I forgot what we're even doing a podcast about. Now. We're going <laughs> to talk about breakups family. eventually, but uh, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, I love this opening right. banter. Um <laughs> But I just find it so fascinating that, uh, mm. you know, by late, by late, twi- by, by 25, you, you start to panic a little bit. According, I get this is just according to my female friends. And then maybe panic is not the right word. You start to realize your mortality. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And then by 27, 28, sometimes mm. you really do go into panic mode. And, mm. oh, is the career what I really wanted? And do mm. I need to find a man? And they, oh, there's no good men left. And they're all going for 22-year-olds. Mm. Yeah. And Definitely. damn, 
That, I mean, there'll be people that comment on this and they did last time I actually spoke about this like ages ago on our podcast and they were like, mm. bitch, I'm 38, please shut up. Like, you're so young and it's really cringe to hear you talking about feeling old at 26. So we had to take that obviously into said, account yeah. um, and it's so true. But I think that one of the biggest things that... I realize aging into my late twenties isn't like, it's not necessarily about my biological clock or whatever, but it's very much about how women in society, although it's much better than what it was, they seem to lose value the older they get. Whereas men get better in time, women become less attractive and less, you know, noticeable or whatever, the older they are. Um, And I think that that's one of those things that we, we think about in our late twenties and everyone's like, you know, when they reference a hot guy, it, we don't talk about an age when we reference a hot girl it's always a hot 22 year old that's always like the phrase kind of thing so the further away you get from that Mm. i've definitely been thinking about it but then i always hear you know what people like 30s is the best time of your life 30s is the time you feel the sexiest 30s are times when you're often the most successful where you start family so our best years are yet to come yeah you hear that i i I've been seeing a lot of comments about how women are disposable after a certain age. And first of all, I don't think it's men are always aging like fine wine because there's the whole concept of the creepy old guy. And there's a certain age men hit where, okay, they're not attractive anymore either. I mean, there's a a rare few silver foxes out there, but Hmm. generally speaking, by 50s, 60s, 70s, men are no longer... uh, as attractive as they were usually, yeah. but there is there is a sense of um, uh, men uh, growing into their attractiveness a little bit more. I mm. think I, I if I remember correctly, there was a study where they got a bunch of pictures and they showed uh, people of varying ages, and they found that men generally found twenty one to be the most attractive age for the females, and and. Women found That's 31 right. to be the most attractive age for the and men. And they also is, showed, that though, old, but... but for women, the other study, though, where it's like men of all ages, and it has from the age of 21 to like 60, all of the men, majority of the men, sorry, voted the 21-year-old as the hottest. Mm-hmm. But then for the women from the ages of 21 to 60, almost majority of them voted of their similar age. So if a 21-year-old would think a 21-year-old was hot, a 30-year-old woman was thinking 30-year-olds are hot, and then once they got to like 45, then it started to decrease a little bit again. But I thought that was really interesting how um, the difference in that. But we we unpacked that before about like, you know, att- have, yeah. you know looks versus attracted and, you know, yeah. those kind of things. Because just so someone might be love. physically the most attractive. Yeah. If you ask the question, who would you be more likely to date? I think that would be, you might get different answers there. And also... Uh, there's a, there is a flip side to that, which it, it it I can understand how women might feel like they're disposable and things, but then at the same token, when you're 18 and 19 as a guy, you also feel very invisible. You feel yes. like no one cares. You're constantly getting rejected, mm. other than this very small proportion of men. So yeah. it's not as though our whole exactly. life we feel sexy yeah. and attractive or anything yeah. like that at all. But today we're going to talk about uh, and 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 if you have, do you have anything else to? to add on that little opening No, but actually, yes. I think that okay. the interesting thing is I think that the attractiveness often comes down to the stereotype attached to that age. So for like 21-year-old girls, it would be flirtatious and 
fun and someone that will look at you with at like admiration. Whereas if you showed me two men, um, a, a 24 year old and a 34 year old guy, both relatively good looking instantly, I'll be like 34 year old. That's my man. But then if I had been given data of them saying 34 year old never had, you know, hasn't worked for four years has, you know, didn't have any study or whatever, um, lives with his mom. Whereas the 24 year old has a job, lives on his own. I'd instantly change my mind and be like 24 year old. <laughs> so I think that's interesting is that, you know, right. we, people my age would, um, be more attracted to older guys because of that stereotype that comes alongside with it as well, that then maybe they're more successful. Maybe they're more secure. Maybe they're more willing or able to be loyal. Um, so goes both ways. Very interesting. But then that's also, it's not as though, okay, I have to, I I just want to say one thing. It's not, uh, that's often said, you know, women will take into account other features and things, but Mm. men will then respond saying, well, like you're judging men based on, you know, are they rich and are they successful? And these are still superficial things because, yeah, yeah, the man judging the 21 year old on looks is very superficial, but judging Mm -hmm. a man on... Uh, you know, his, his success uh, or abil- ability to produce. Uh, yeah, well, really, it all comes down to the biological drive to have children. Even if you don't want yeah. kids, you're still deciding that men are picking women, men like women with longer hair because it shows health, men like women that are younger because it shows higher rates of fertility, and women like men that are more settled and successful because it shows stability and likelihood that they're going to, you know, support you and your baby. So, That's it. yeah. Anyway. That's it. Can't can't get rid of the hormones and the biology. Um, well, actually. <laughs> anyway, won't go into that. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're going to actually talk about uh, breakups. Well, we're first going to answer a question. And then we'll talk about breakups later on in the podcast. So, this one is from Anon. How to know if my partner is the right match for me? Abandonment issues and attachment issues, can they work together? Hi, Neil and Eliza. I've been listening since the first episode and love the content. Background. I'm a 24-year-old male, six months into my first serious relationship. All of my relationships and sexual encounters in the past have been the person I was with coming on to me, usually verbally. I don't pick up on body language and other cues very well. Sorry, let me just read that again. All of my... Relationships and sexual encounters in the past have been the person I was with coming on to me. Usually verbally, I don't pick up on body language and other cues very well. Eventually, they would express the want to get more serious and date, etc. And at that point, I would push them away because I only got involved with people I didn't absolutely love. So when it inevitably ended, I would not be hurt. I have childhood trauma and attachment issues, ADHD, rejection, sensitive dysphoria, my current relationship, she expressed the want to get more serious and I did not push her away and here we are. I fear I may not love her as much as I should. She has abandonment issues and needs a lot of reassurance that I do love her and won't leave. I think the only reason I was able to get close is because I subconsciously would not care if the relationship ended. If I was to end the relationship, I don't think I will find another partner that I love more as I'd probably push them away or not be able to express my attraction to even start a relationship. Is it immoral of me to continue the relationship? I'm stuck on what to do. Any advice is appreciated greatly. Thanks. Note, I don't have no feelings for her at all. 
I definitely like her a lot. We get along great. Our needs just are not aligned as she needs and expresses a lot of love way above average. And I'm on the opposite <laughs> side, not expressing enough. Okay. So mm-hmm. quite a bit to unpack there. Uh, what are your initial thoughts hearing? Well, I think that to that. begin with, one of the really, I think, strong factors of this scenario is this guy's ADHD because ADHD does play a huge role in relationships and how um, people with ADHD respond and interact in relationships. I feel like we should kind of talk about that a little bit because people are going to, you know, apply stereotypical relationship rules and boundaries to this scenario whereas it's a little bit different if someone has ADHD um so like I like to look at ADHD as having there's kind of like I feel like three categories that you can fall into like think of it like a Venn diagram you may be one you may be two you may be all three or whatever and Mm -hmm. one of them is like the stereotypical ADHD symptoms that you may have which is likely what you start with and then that's why you get diagnosed with it because you might be disorganized might be really forgetful you can't focus you might have really poor emotional regulation all those symptoms we know for ADHD and then we have like what I call like the kind of ADHD compensation. So like Adrian, my partner has ADHD. He's had it since he he was a kid. He dropped out of school at 14. It was really bad. Um, But now since then, he, he's definitely like an ADHD compensator. So he's extremely organized, very clean and tidy. He has lists for everything. So he's trying to compensate for all those things that ADHD makes him lack in. So he goes above and beyond to make sure that it's not lacking. And so that can kind of be that people fall into that. And then the third one is definitely like the mental health aspects that come alongside with um, ADHD often. So we know that people with ADHD are six times more likely to have depression and anxiety um, issue, conduct issues. So like issues with um, anger issues or like um, this guy has rejection sensitive Um, dysphoria which is very common in ADHD because they kind of interpret um, their emotions differently to people that don't have ADHD so if they sense or experience rejection it's not like rejection hurts everyone but for someone with rejection sensitive dysphoria it hurts like it is gut-wrenching soul-wrenching heartbreak so the fact that this guy is doubting his, you know, feelings and um, commitment to this relationship, but at the same time has this rejection sensitive dysphoria where she's rejecting him. It's going to be a huge trigger. He's kind of like stuck in this catch-22 point. Yeah, it definitely sounds like that. Mm. Uh, what were your thoughts? Um... I don't know if – so he's asked the question, is it immoral of me to continue the relationship? So it sounds like he's with someone because he doesn't actually love her as much as he may love someone else, but he knows that if he was in a relationship with someone that he loved fully, he would – those issues would come to the fore. So for safety mm-hmm. purposes, he's with this person and – that doesn't sound healthy to me. I mean, it, you're the therapist here, so I think your opinion would be better listened to. But <laughs> it 
it sounds like you're choosing. I wouldn't call it immoral, but look, everyone to some degree might choose safety in a relationship over what mm. they may potentially have in terms of intense romantic feelings for someone else. Okay, in fact, we've all done that. So maybe it's wrong for me to well, question I that. Think... But mm. I wonder if then maybe he gets to a point where he's better able to manage some of these issues he has, the abandonment issues, mm-hmm. and then he might want to explore a serious relationship with someone who he has that intense love with and then he'll have to break up with her and and, and that would be a horrible thing mm. to say to her hey look i was only with you because i didn't i i loved you enough to feel comfortable but not too much where i felt insecure i i just uh, i wonder um mm. i wonder well, if it's going down a bad path I think that it's hard to tell because you can see I agree with your point about the the safety seeking and that often that's subconscious and not something that we realize and you can see why this guy has fallen attracted to this girl because he said you know she's someone that is saying you know please can we take the step can we be committed um i really into you like she wants a lot of reassurance for his affection so he's saying you know as someone that is really really sensitive to rejection and criticism it makes sense that he's going to be attracted or feel safer in a relationship with someone that is constantly offering him like love and i'm really really into you and chasing him because he said all the people that i've been in relationships with have pursued me because he will need that as part of coping with this um this sensitive uh, uh rejection sensitivity dysphoria so he will require someone to chase him and pursue him so that he can you know alleviate those doubts that will play in his mind because what happens is often people with this um, dysphoria will avoid anything social because of the this could potentially happen this person might potentially reject me so this way it kind of eliminates all those risks so it makes sense but I am interested I guess to hear there's always two sides about you know in every story and he's saying you know she has her own attachment disorders and she requires a lot of reassurance and having dated you know multiple people with ADHD and currently dating people someone with ADHD I do wonder is she is it an attachment disorder or is she seeking a an appropriate level of reassurance and comfort that is not natural to someone with ADHD because people with ADHD often have or lack um, object permanence which basically means once something is out of their sight, it is completely out of their mind. So often people with ADHD don't text much, they don't reply, they're happy to go three weeks without seeing someone and their partner's like, oh, what the fuck? Like, he's not into me or whatever. Like, before um, I started dating Adrian, I was dating... Well, I didn't think we were dating. (laughs) This is the thing, is I was... uh, I had a friend who was a male with ADHD and... We kissed once at a party or whatever, but above everything else, we were really good mates. We hung out all the time. He'd always come over. We'd often watch a movie. He'd sleep over, but nothing ever happened. It was never like romantic or intimate or anything. I'd sometimes text him, how are you going? What are you up to? Do you want to hang out? Never got a reply. I'd always just run into him at parties and things like that. And we, we hooked up once in our entire like period of hanging out. Anyway, one day he was like um, asking me about 
my life or something like that. And I was like, oh, like I started dating this guy, Adrian, like he's really nice, like blah, blah, blah. And he was like, I thought you and I were dating. And I felt like the fucking shittest person in the whole world. Him in his mind was we're dating. Me in my mind was I see this guy once every four to six weeks with zero text or communication in between. We've only ever kissed like once or twice. Um, and the, mm. the last five times I've seen him, nothing's happened. It wasn't like romantic. So that was very much, he got diagnosed recently, he actually posted on his um, Instagram the other day, a story about how his ADHD has, in his opinion, ruined so many friendships and relationships because people are like, why don't you reply to me? Why don't you talk to me? Like now you're out traveling Australia. You don't care about anyone. Like those kind of things. So that's just mm. his ADHD. So is this guy's girlfriend being really overbearing saying give me attention give me attention give me attention or is this guy in typical or or common adhd fashion just you know going some days or weeks without seeing her or or texting or anything like that and she's like i need as a from my partner i need more it's a good question uh i mean he said at the top that she does have attachment issues but that i would guess that probably spoken about it and maybe she's expressed that but it could be that from his mm -hmm. perspective it seems like attachment issues um is there a way can people figure out ways to deal with with this sort of adhd and and yeah yeah can he get to a point where then he maybe he needs to work on that first and then and then can figure out whether it's 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 appropriate to still stay with her. I just it just there's too many things here that seem. I just can't help with you. I, I get what you mean. How, you know, mm. it's appropriate for someone like that to be with someone who maybe shows a lot of extra affection or needs extra security. But I, I just can't help but feel like okay, you, it's mismatched. It's yeah, or you you know you. Well, in, in a way, you could say it's appropriately matched, but it, it mm. part of me, it feels dishonest. Yeah. If it works, it works. But mm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if uh, it's the right relationship. I don't want to be the person saying, you know, break up. Yeah. Whatever, but yeah. I'll it's just really say hard. that my my perspective, my opinion hearing this is, I just can't help but feel if I was the, the girlfriend and then, one day he did break up and and I and I asked, all right, well, why are you breaking up? And and then he said, well, I because I was never super into you in the first time. place. I just mm. knew that someone like you would be appropriate for me. I mean, that would just destroy me. So, mm. especially if she has attachment issues, if you communicate to her, I had doubts our entire relationship. He can permanently by far make those attachment issues significantly worse it just further i'm assuming based on the way he's described as she has an anxious attachment which is i need more reassurance and more like connection than most um and then if he said and i fear that you will leave me or i'll fear this um the security of our relationship and then if he goes and says actually after all these years of you falling more and more in love with me i've been having doubts 
since day dot i think that could really do some damage with her that this guy needs to consider that that it may be better to cut your ties now than it is maybe this is not the type of person that you should figure this out with um and maybe you Mm. need to be figuring it out with someone that is um more securely attached because you know i'm a very big advocate for the belief of you know relational issues are often best resolved within a relational setting but not at the expense of someone else um so it's also really hard that it's his first relationship so he doesn't have anything to compare it to and i I see this happen all the time where someone's like oh i kind of have doubts but like is this normal and then people in long-term relationships or have multiple boyfriends are like or partners are like yes it's so normal it ebbs and flows so they stay in it but really if they'd had another relationship before they'd be like Mm. i know that you know this feels worse than what i i'm used to or this this isn't kind of feeling right for me so i'll leave so that's one of the really hard parts about the fact that he hasn't had a partner before this girl so he's like figuring it all out but one of the things i can see is that there's a really like fundamental incompatibility in the level of you know reassurance or or communication that you're both wanting and if you can't provide to her that that need in conjunction with having doubts about the relationship maybe it is worth kind of considering what is the point of me staying in this if it's if your feelings aren't developing more have a think about that it's definitely worth reflecting on um but it's it's really hard because i hate to give relationship advice in the sense that i'm like break up or stay together because really only you can figure that out um it's just it's just my two cents two cents and i really worry about you know if she does have this kind of attachment um issue the impact that that will have on her if you prolong this relationship and then break her up for the the very reason she has these attachment issues and her very fear and i can't help but feel this will continually hover over the relationship uh i don't think something like this would be something that will ever be out of his mind and Mm. again natural to have doubts and wonder if this person's actually compatible with me but I wonder if, to this extent, it mm. it can still continue on in a loving relationship. And it does seem like that it's your classic trope of the toxic relationship. Someone's uh, anxiously attached. Someone's well. It's not that he has um, uh, avoidant attachment, but he's mm. similar-ish to that. Um, mm. And those relationships usually don't end well it just people you think if i reassure this person enough eventually they'll stop asking for reassurance but that's usually not how mm. it happens if anything they get used to a certain level and might even yeah. need more so then you set that's what you set the bar at yeah and, so and that's those idea. respective issues often need to be um i wouldn't say dealt with but uh managed individually yeah. and and it can be done with another person, but I would suggest doing that individually. And six months is a point where you probably have to make a pretty firm judgment as to, all right, this is, this is quite serious now. I'm going to keep mm. going. Or mm. it was great and I learned a lot and maybe we need to just mm. reconsider it. But again, like seeking. Eliza said, yeah, mm. it's, it's not, I'm not, 
it's on it's on up to it's up to him yeah From my thoughts hearing reading what you've sent through i wouldn't call you immoral definitely don't no. think you're my very very no. open and good on you for and talking about all this yeah. yeah so that is definitely not the word i would use but i i just have doubts about a relationship like this because there's just too many factors that seem like they could come to a fore and and really explode in a relationship but mm-hmm. again i'm not the i'm not the therapist here so yeah well this is the thing is yeah. i think that you should seek a, th- a therapeutic support because especially with this rejection sensitive dysphoria it's really important because if you break up with her there's a really good chance that you're going to go fall in with the exact same type of person um because it it, it fulfills that constant fear of rejection and i know you know it's to reference only one person in comparison is is never really helpful in these situations but it might be for you to know that you know um, Adrian, he is uh, he has ADHD and he also has that um, a little bit of that rejection sensitive dysphoria. Very common in ADHD and in his previous relationships, he often sought out, um, or maybe they sought him. I'm not sure. Relationships where they were an anxious attached person and constantly he'd be having doubts and not feeling that level of depth that he was hoping for. Um, and and then eventually and wondering is this my ADHD is it this is it that is it her being anxious and just like smothering me and then he said you know not to toot my own horn but coming into a relationship with someone um or me um as a very securely attached person that the difference was so so obvious and evident that like there wasn't a single doubt at all like not a shred or a moment of confusion about it so it really depends though if you're sometimes people that have anxiety are constantly confused and they will be confused about literally everything in life is this the right job for me am i in the right house is this the right relationship so without knowing you it's really hard to kind of give advice which is why i think that you should seek a therapist because you might have that personality type where you doubt everything in which case maybe this relationship you shouldn't leave it maybe it's just it's it's a mental health thing or maybe it's you know your gut instinct saying i'm not in the with the right person this relationship isn't feeling fulfilling i should leave but we can't it's really hard to provide a really good piece of i guess advice for you without knowing a little bit more of that history so i really Mm. really urge you to um to seek support for that especially considering you know that you've had trauma and you have this dysphoria it really cannot be dealt with on its own and it will it may it will impact you forever but it's about learning to manage it and being clear in your decisions and really settled going forward on okay i know when this is my dysphoria playing up or this is my adhd or i know when this is my gut instinct saying i'm not i'm not in the right space at the right time yeah well said Thanks, Neil. <laughs> yeah. I agree. <laughs> um, but thank you. Thank you very much for the question. And yeah. again, like with everyone who sent in. Let uh, us know. Let us know. Give us an update. Look at that. Yeah. He's, got a, he's got a Hotmail email address as well. One of the few remaining, like me. Uh, me too. <laughs> yeah, represent. Late millennials. <laughs> oh, adulting. <laughs> Good but, luck, uh, yeah, good luck. I'd uh, love to check in. Um, slightly related to this, but a bit broader. 
Mm. Well, we've done a lot of podcasts on breakups, but you wanted to talk about getting over an ex. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, because I think hard that in it within the age of social media, isn't it? Yeah, constantly it's, reminded. It of, is so yeah. hard. Here's in this a little day Facebook age. memory. And gossiping and just everything. Yeah. And the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because I have a lot of you. Disclaimer, I know I left a, re- a huge amount of messages that a lot of you sent me un- unread or unanswered, but I was so burnt out the last couple of months. So sorry. Um, but I'm definitely back on the track of, you know, responding now. Um, but so many people have been messaging me saying like, oh, I ended my relationship with with him or her, we were together for two years, we broke up three, four, six months ago, sometimes even a year ago, and I'm still thinking about them. I still feel like, start to think of all the, like the positive things that we did together. I really miss them. And does this mean we should get back together? Um, so I feel like that's why I wanted to talk about it because then I can, I can answer them all collectively, maybe. Well, um, straight up the bat, one year uh, I've gone through one in particular, where it was pretty much two years. Yeah. And until I fell in love with someone else, yeah, uh, I wasn't over them. And was it got better. The first year was horrible. But yeah. uh, that one was extremely intense and volatile. And after it ended, it uh, took a very long time. And... You're never fully over anyone. Sometimes no. if you've had an impact if you've had a very significant relationship with anyone, you're always gonna have bouts mm. of memory and think about that person. Maybe you had a whatever however sappy it may be, a certain song or a certain yeah. item in your in your house that they bought and you'll just have a moment of memory. And there's nothing actually wrong with that. You might even think fondly, like, oh, that was fun and I hope they're doing well or like, mm-hmm. oh, I hate how that ended. But uh, if you're entirely consumed by the a person that you previously dated, then whether or not you need to, you should get back with them, I don't know about that. But I can definitely say, all I can say is, look, when you said, okay, some people are messaging you saying it's been a year. I think a lot of guys especially will go through multiple years of not fully getting yeah. over an ex, especially if they were broken up with. And yeah. sometimes you need to actually just step into another relationship, even if mm. you might have a few doubts because, oh, you, you really like this new person, but you're still thinking about your ex. But let yourself just be with this new person and that can... That's a really good point about it being amazing. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, there's a lot of guys in particular who just can't get over their ex and it's sad. It's It's very sad. It makes sense to me though for two reasons. One, when women break up, what we usually do is we all conjugate and we talk about it and then two weeks later we're talking about it and we're talking, talking, talking. We cry it all out. We process all the emotions. Then we, you know, we move up and on. Often... Men don't talk about it. Um, they sit with it and they're reflecting, reflecting, reflecting. And also, you know, based on, I guess, some yep. <laughs> stereotypical masculine traits, women, you know, we we can seek the things that men provided us through our friends or through others, like that nurture, affection and security. Yeah, Whereas men had someone, you know, your partner 
being very nurturing, loving or sensitive at times or um, at least at times to you. And then all of a sudden you don't have that outlet. You don't have that person saying, how's your day, baby? And stroking your hair or, or someone giving you like, let me give you a really big hug when you, you might not have that for a whole year. And then all of a sudden you're desperately missing your ex-girlfriend. But really it's about looking beneath that and realizing I'm not necessarily missing that ex-girlfriend. I'm really just craving affection and warmth and nurture. Um, so it's an, it's a thing that is often overlooked as well as the fact that toxic relationships will play on your mind way longer than a healthy relationship after you break up. The more toxic a relationship is, the more (laughs) addicted your body becomes to the highs and lows of that relationship and the harder it is to overcome it. Like I've had a million boyfriends. I'm always bounced back from relationships fine. The only relationship I've ever been hung up on is my most toxic one because the love was so intense and passionate and up and down. He was a bit crazy (laughs) bit unwell but he really stayed with me for years afterwards like very long time and it's very common like if you had up and downs in your relationships that were significant that it will take you longer Uh, my healthy relationships i've processed it within days and then been like i (laughs) that was great which most of my relationships are really healthy which is why most of my breakups you know we've lived together post breakup we've been fine we bounced back real fast um but yeah so yeah very interesting eliza made a great point about how i think particularly men but a lot of people outsource a lot of their emotional needs just to their romantic partner yeah and the people who are probably best suited to getting over uh, a romantic breakup are people who have an outlet to be uh affectionate with other people Mm. and to be uh, emotionally intimate with uh, friends or family members and uh, to have an outlet for their, uh, I'm not going to say feminine side, but uh, artistic side and creative side. And mm. especially for men, that's just the only outlet you have for that. That's is your, uh, your girlfriend. Mm. And then when that's gone, there's just no one or no, no ability that you have to express yourself in that way. And mm. so uh, before you even get, if you're single, before you even get into a relationship, you should probably find, figure out things that, I'm not saying go and blah, blah, go paint your nails and men are all toxic. That's just definitely not what I'm saying. But maybe you play the guitar, maybe you write, maybe you paint, even you have a pet, okay? Yeah. These things are not feminine inherently. Mm. You can, in fact, we need more masculinity in the arts, okay? Yeah. So devoid of masculinity. Yeah. So you can ex- you can do these sorts of expressive things uh, without being feminine, and uh, that actually, as counterintuitive as it may be, that can that can help you uh, either getting over a breakup or just uh, creating a, a a life, building a life that will um, serve you well for getting over a future breakup because you know you have many strings to your emotional bow and. You don't need a, a girlfriend or a partner to fulfill that. Mm-hmm. So true. So true. Um, it's it's a really tough spot that I think that a lot most men don't don't actually realize that 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 is what is lacking often, um, and so they seek out 
you know, their partner and then all their ex. And one of the other things I wanted to bring up as well is this concept of hysterical bonding, which usually happens or frequently happens after one, either a partner has cheated or you start to like, you know, talk about breaking up or you actually break up. And then all of a sudden you have this like incredibly passionate and loving rekindling or like hot and steamy sex right after you break up. And then you've never felt love so fiery. So then you're like, well, obviously we need to be together. Like, oh my God, what were we thinking? (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. And then weeks later, it's back to where it was and those emotions come back. So be really careful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you break up, you there's a really good chance you're going to want to have sex with them again or, or rekindle some kind of emotional connection or, or physical touch. And it's going to feel so fucking good when you do it. And you're going to be like, yes, this means something. But then mm. what happens is this is why very frequently couples will break up, get back together for like four to six weeks and then break up again. Break it's up again. very common. <laughs> uh, so oh, be cautious of that. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh it's tough to realize you're even in that situation until sometimes months later and then you look back and think oh (laughs) because you're just so emotionally attached to that person um and there's nothing wrong with getting back with with breaking up and then getting back with someone it can it can definitely work it doesn't mean it's always unhealthy uh i don't think i've ever done that I've broken up with someone and then gotten back together. Oh. I did. Yeah, I think I've, 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 we'd broken up and then we'd, yeah, like slept together or, or whatever, but it wasn't getting back together. Um, yeah. 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 Breakups I, are I feel hard. Like people... They're not easy. They're not easy. Mm. I think if, if you have a, a artistic outlet, it's, it helps. Uh, every every human being has something where they can express themselves in in a nonverbal way, whether that's music, whether that's uh, hell, even um, building, because a lot of men will do that, and it's mm. a very masculine thing. But you can but you can build beautiful things that are an mm. expression of what's going on in your inner world. A and lot of it is loneliness too, though. Um... And that mm. lack of, you know, someone that would previously be like, you know, the stereotype of women being very much more chatty than men being like, oh my God, this happened. And then this person said this, and then I went and did this. And then all mm. of a sudden you break up and it's radio silence. And then every few days, you know, you mate text you being like, hey man, how's it going? But it's not to that, you know, the same level as it was previously. And if you have a positive relationship with your mother and you're a male post breakup, it's a really good way to reach out and get that like that nurture, that affection, someone to chat to every so often. Call your mom or go over and have a meal and, and you know have a hug and talk about it and hear from chat to chat to someone that you know from your family that you love mm. um, can be really really healing. The more you can talk about it and the more in depth, you know, name it to tame it. Um, Start a podcast. Talk about yeah. it on the podcast. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, but I will just say getting back together, like the success rates of couples that do that and then stay together the second time is incredibly low. And then what ends yeah. up happening is they break up for the same reasons that they broke up the first time, which I did as well. I had a ex-boyfriend move back from Canada to be with me after a year of after we broke up because we both were so like, oh, this is... We were so good together and blah, blah, blah. He came back. We stayed together for another like year and we broke up for the 
literally the exact same reasons that we'd broken up the first time for. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, unless Very the person's common. dramatically changed, which can happen. People can change. Yeah. Uh, it's likely you'll get in, fall into the same patterns. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I guess that's always the fairy tale, though, you know, for, for a lot of guys like, oh, I'll change my life around and win her back. Because more often than not, in, in heterosexual relationships, it's the female breaking up with the male. And yes, uh, yeah. often there's a pretty clear reason is, uh, you know, you know, I'm not, not feeling it anymore or, you know, you're distant or whatever it may be. And then, and then, mm. uh, yeah, the man absolutely hates it. He's, he's really, uh, I mean, the biggest, the biggest cause of male suicide is relationship breakdown. Mm. This is not a trivial or facetious thing. This is literally mm. killing men. Not to put blame on anyone, but there, yeah. there, there has to be better methods for men to be able to cope with um with the breakup and culture is still catching up because uh historically mm. there was just less breakups because there was so much shame associated with it and even the concept of dating is a relatively new thing it's usually you just married someone and that was it yeah, uh but exactly. mm. boys uh yeah you gotta you gotta talk you gotta talk to and and look if you've got a mate who's who's gone through a breakup um talk to him and and even press further if he's not really talking about it and yeah you know it's it's just if it, it could quite literally quite literally save his life so uh yeah it's 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 in major need of a of a shake up mm. male also, culture around uh breakups doing things as well that make you feel masculine or stroke your ego can be very, very beneficial. I know that when I broke up and I would process it for a few weeks and then even though I wasn't looking for a relationship, sometimes I wasn't even looking for sex. Sometimes I literally just needed an ego boost and I would go and download some kind of Tinder or something and have a laugh and have fun and then get excited about being single. I know, I remember you did the same, like you were, you really went through in your last relationship breakdown, you had really like strong feels and you know, you went through the motions of that and you let yourself mm. feel it. And sometimes we talk about it and then after like, you know, I don't know how many weeks it was, but then you were like, all right, well, now I'm going to get Tinder. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, go on then, go do it. <laughs> Which oh, helps, it does. You know, sometimes some people it... say the best way to get over someone is to get under someone else. <laughs> uh, yeah, yes and no. But I think what I was, what you what a lot of people are doing when they're when they're on the apps after a breakup is they're seeking. They're not just seeking the sex. They're seeking the the validation. The the the, yeah, the, the string free uh, yeah. uh, intimacy there, and yeah, a lot of it is actually an, an ego boost because. Mm. A lot of guys will internalize the breakup and feel like they're lesser. And I know I definitely felt that way. Like I was just, mm. I failed. You know, I've uh, haven't lived up to the expectations set on me as a as a boyfriend. And mm. uh, you you do you need a you need a major boost to your self esteem. Yeah. And as unhealthy as it may be, yeah, like uh, finding a hot girl on Tinder and then having a one night stand it gives you a momentary boost of confidence and a bit of dopamine although i don't think that's the healthiest thing to do as i'm sure anyone would agree yeah. um not the healthiest the, coping the classic mechanism. is is going to the gym and getting obsessed with the gym and I go, look i did yeah. that and it worked yeah. but uh 
Uh, that's at least a yeah people can take it to an extreme but uh, it's a, the classic meme on all the gym pages all right who are you who hurt you you know yeah. that kind yeah. of thing so but Have again like seeing, there's, actually there's a trend it's really interesting that you say this because there's a trend going around on tiktok and mm. it's for women and it's this scenario in reverse and it's literally who hurt you and it's it'll show a girl being like really pretty and blah 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 and then it's a year has passed since the breakup or the they break up or something and instead of getting hotter she shaves her head off she becomes old she become bisexual lesbian like you know all these like things that she's gone from being a very preppy gorgeous girl to complete yeah. identity change but i guess in some the whole purpose of that was saying you hurt me so much like you fuck my life up look how look at what i look like now like because of you fuck you like not in a positive way but very interesting how it was complete opposite for men and women <laughs> yeah but that doesn't I mean, always that, happen look it could, yeah but that 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 mm. is definitely a stereotype with the yeah. with the old Girls and guys, yeah. it's, uh, you know, you've got daddy issues or someone hurt you. And I'm sure there's yeah. some truth to it. But there's also a lot of women who then will go to the gym as well and just get like yeah, a, exactly. a mad ass because their like boyfriend cheated on them or broke up with them yeah, or something. Yeah, cheating, I feel like, so. always gives the best glow ups for, for anyone, <laughs> which is really like sad and terrible. But it's like, you know. I've definitely seen that. And one of the, actually, I feel like we should say mm. as well, this isn't, this is just from my experience and people Same. I know experience as well. Yeah. But also when Neil and I talk about like how it feels good to, to casually hook up or whatever after a breakup, the first breakup I had or the first love I had when I went and um, slept with someone else after that, it was like the worst and most heartbreaking and confusing situation. So just be cautious of that, that if it's your first love and first relationship, and then you try to like, you know, go and jump in the bed with someone else, expect it to feel like it might feel really shit. Um, if yeah, it's and the first, I, you know, second time you've ever slept with someone or whatever. My, my point was also, I think you can get that ego boost from other ways that may even yeah. be healthier because yeah. I look back and, and I think, well, I could have just, I could have yeah, actually go just gone to the gym. <laughs> you know, I could have, I could have uh, done some reading and and given mm. myself little goals to to yeah. tick off. But uh, yeah, yeah. Look, breakups are not fun at all. They're they're often the the same feelings uh, that you experience after a family member has died. Yeah, you've got to grieve it. Exactly yeah. what you feel after a serious breakup, and yeah. it will quite literally change the change who you are. It definitely has for me. I've had two like that that are that were very intense, and mm. overall, I, I I've come out better, I think. And some of them were actually like a kick in the butt, uh, uh, to be to be honest. So, yeah, bit of bit of. Well, a lot of short-term pain for for long-term gain. Um, it's, in some ways, and it's obviously not worse than a family member dying, but the grief can be very different knowing that you're still grieving this person, but they're accessible. Like if you wanted to reach out yeah, to them, you can, which is harder because so it's a whole worse. other battle and hurdle yeah. you've got to overcome fighting the urge to contact them or call them or ring them. And, and when you do that, that usually things. makes it worse. Exactly. So don't do that. You send one message saying, I miss you. And they send back, I miss you too. 
congratulations you've just added another three months on your journey of getting over that person like i will promise it will just extend it so much and put you in emotional turmoil it's just much better i always say to people that you do not need to seek closure that closure the concept of closure is really just our way to internally validate that we are seeking connection and communication with that individual do not go out and seek closure it is just your mind trying to get you in that person's space again you don't need it you don't need it that's a fair point yeah you're really like uh fighting with your uh, yeah just your your consciousness in many ways or your subconscious you're just uh at war with yourself trying not to drunk call or contact them or you know apologize or whatever it may be and you often do and again that can often in many ways i can sometimes make it worse so look Mm. uh from my experience best way to get over it is yeah have really good friends that you can talk to and uh have other things to your life and and this idea of like you're my everything and i need you is actually quite it's uh it's a fairy tale you shouldn't actually need anyone as, yeah, as, and try as to, callo- a callous as that sounds. As easy as it is, yeah. You can love someone deeply. I'm not saying yeah. go and be a recluse, but uh, if you feel like your life is incomplete with someone not not in there, eh, you know, you might need to just look at your life then. What's... Yeah. Yeah. Try but... to also look at things, something that you can look forward to that you couldn't do um, whilst being, you know, in, in that relationship, I know one of my ex-boyfriends, when we were together, I was like really, really anti-drugs back then because I was working with drug a, in an AOD clinics um, or with AOD clients, sorry, mm. drug and alcohol clients. And I was really like, I do not want you like going near it. I can't, I was so angry if I saw him doing it because he did it frequently, casually. Like mm. now I wouldn't care as much, but back then it, was, it would piss me off. Anyway, um, it's, it's, as soon as we broke up, he got the nickname Ketamine Kevin or something because he just went into so many drugs <laughs> so often. And or again, I don't was... know if that's the healthiest way. <laughs> no, but... but I'm saying that was him being like, fuck yeah. Like for me, I went and studied every time I broke up with someone, I literally was like, oh, ended a long-term relationship. I went and studied something, which is why I studied for so many years. But like going after, reason... you know, <laughs> go on, go on. Like after dating someone that was like, you know, really, really conservative and we broke up at, um, you know, in my early 20s or something. And then as soon as we broke up, I went and studied sexology, which had always been my dream. But dating someone from a highly Catholic, you know, family and they wanted him to be a priest. It was that level of like Catholicism. There was no way I could ever go and study that. So as soon as we did, that was the first thing I did. And I was like, this is a really big perk of me now being single is I can go and do this. So yeah, well, finding something that you can something look to forward study, to doing. Some people go and get a cat being like, oh, my ex hated cats. And now I can get a cat. <laughs> saying all the things I've done. All right. Well, <laughs> the reason this podcast exists is because of a breakup I went through. Because then I started reading all yeah. it's so it was such an indian thing to do like oh i didn't do that well i gotta study it so <laughs> i just studied all these relationship books took these notes i got these notebooks yeah. full of things that i thought right this is how i got to do it properly this is how i do it better and then again it's that kind of how i came to the conclusion that maybe i'd try an open relationship because mm. i had had such a bad experience with a monogamous one and mm. then had studied all these things, and when you when you have this academic view of 
human relationships, you, you then tend to think a bit more theoretically about it when there's really quite a human mm-hmm. aspect to it that you can miss out on. So, yeah, this whole podcast exists because, <laughs> because of a breakup. Well, so you can thank, you you can thank that. that. Yeah. All, of you, all of you can thank And uh, mine too because I wouldn't have – we connected right after your breakup and right after my last breakup too and I would not have even been go. talking to a random – guy online if i was you know prior to establish we didn't our first conversation obviously was not hey let's start a podcast with strangers we're having banter back and forth whatever i wouldn't Mm. be engaging in talking to strangers or guys online if i was in a committed relationship even if he's a neil (laughs) kolatka comedian you know i wouldn't that's when any type of person he was like hey you're really smart like let's or you study this let's collaborate i would have been like no, but when you say, right. you're like, yeah, why there the fuck not? Like, go on. Let's see well, what this there, person has to say. There you go. So, look, I don't want to rub this into anyone's faces, but the point oh. is that we, you know, you've got to take some kind of initiative and there's healthier ways to deal with a breakup rather than, look, if like, I'm sure that guy had a great month being the Ketamine King or whatever it was. <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of fun you can have uh, sleeping around, but... Try and think about maybe something that you always wanted to do, but maybe you couldn't do when you're in a relationship, yeah. or maybe uh, maybe you go for a change of scenery. Uh, I, I know a mate of mine who lived in Melbourne and then came up to Sydney for a while, and yeah, it seems like it's helped him a lot. And it was after a breakup, so uh, things like that. There's there's clearly like a a, a hierarchy door closes, of healthiness opens. Yeah. in terms of uh, breakup responses. So. <laughs> So true. Yeah, and then every day just do a bit of a uh, – it, it, it helped me a lot to just sort of uh, recalibrate my, my thoughts and my ideas about – because otherwise you get into this uh, mentality of, you know, just just kicking yourself, uh, saying like, well, you fucked up, you're an idiot, why'd you do that, you failed. Mm-hmm. So you just got to kind of like – especially in the morning if you can do it, like, all right, give yourself – a narrative or, or some sort of response to those thoughts that maybe pop into your mind. So, mm. you know, like I, everything I did was what I thought was best at the time. Um, um, you know, whatever it is, I'm not a bad person. And, and so when those thoughts come up, you then have a response to those thoughts. Mm. But that's if you're like me and you're a, you know, overthinker. So, yeah. um, that helped so me true. a lot. Uh, and if you can afford it, obviously therapy is probably the best. Yeah. If you can, oh, you can get therapy for free in Australia. You can go get a mental health plan from your GP. They can oh. give you 10 sessions. Anyone can access that. that. So it's definitely worth exploring that. I was also, I guess, which relates to that, going to say that if you're an individual that has um, an avoidant attachment style or a disorganized attachment style, sometimes people with these attachment styles will sabotage their relationships intentionally and then regret it. They may sabotage a really perfect relationship because it's going really well, Um, in which case maybe the the reason for breakup wasn't a justified, appropriate reason for breaking up. That being said, before you go and get back with that person, seek therapeutic support because otherwise you're going to put your partner through the ringer time and time again because you may self-sabotage it again six months later. So... If that if you broke up with someone being like, well, they loved me and I love them so dearly, the relationship was perfect, I saw my life with them and that scared me, so I dumped them. That's maybe a little bit different, but 
still see a therapist before you pursue that person again. And never, ever, ever, yeah, ever message your ex when you're emotional. <laughs> like, if you've got to do it, at least, very least, wait until you're really <laughs> <yep>. calm. <laughs> and then, yeah, maybe, like, show your friends a message or something. Cause, yeah. yeah. In fact, I did that last time. It was good. Like my fr- I showed my yeah. friend. And he was yeah. like, oh, it's too long. Cut it down a lot <laughs> and take these bits Aww. out. So, yeah, um, that helps a lot. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you just basically got to be in control of your, uh, I wouldn't say your emotions, but maybe your uh, your uh, fiery subconscious self. I don't know. Yeah. Don't want to get too hippy-dippy with it there, but uh, all, everything Eliza said is, is correct. Um, Thanks. And other than that, let us know if you have some uh, methods of getting over a breakup and how people can get over it, uh, not necessarily expediently, but effectively, whether that does take mm. a bit longer. You don't want to suppress it all. And, That's it. And it's then probably for it to, time. You know, bubble up a couple of years yeah. later and, and then cause a midlife crisis. So yeah. uh, just um, talking, I think. That's probably the biggest thing. Yeah, and not also everyone can do that, but a diary helps. Yeah, journal, journal, um, and knowing all that stuff, all the classics. It's normal. People, I think that people don't actually understand how long it can take. And like we said before, sometimes it'll take a week, sometimes it'll be three months, or sometimes you'll be thinking about that person two years later. It doesn't necessarily mean that it is a sign you're supposed to be back together. So don't misinterpret that. It just depends on, like I myself, I'm not a sentimental person, (laughs) unfortunately. So I can very easily move on. However, my friend, my best mate is extremely, extremely sentimental. So even no matter how toxic her relationship is, she will be thinking about that person five years from now and desperately missing them. So it is, there's no appropriate time, but it's not a sign that you need to be staying with them. Yeah, I got a lot of uh, friends who look like, you know, the stereotypically masculine footy boy. And I'm telling you, like the vast majority of them have a have the one that got away. You know, they yeah. each have the one that will always uh, be uh, there in the back of their mind that they're thinking about and probably kicking themselves about. And it's, mm. it's actually pretty normal. Sad in a way, but you do wonder, okay, what is our society causing more of this or is it just a very human thing to Mm -hmm. grieve and to have a permanent sense of grief for a certain person? Yeah, and romanticizing your previous relationship is you're going to do it. You're always going to think about the positives. You're always going to miss the good things and and when you're in it, you always focus on the bad things. So Yeah, don't look at old photos. Classic stuff, (laughs) yes. Do not do that. And... um, I actually am pretty fond of, you know, you can mute people. Uh, you don't have to yeah. block them necessarily. But even if it is going to be too hard, maybe just block them because if yes. you're getting this constant reminder on social media, that's mm. not going to be good. So Yeah. yeah. Mm. And if you don't, like if you want to, like I know that I've maintained a relationship with pretty much all my ex-partners at some like, you know, we're friendly um, but, you know, in the early days of breaking up, even though we check in, we chat, sometimes we even hang out for coffee or, you know, in a couple of cases, we still live together. We would never, ever say, 
I miss you or I miss us or anything like that that's going to open up an emotional thing. Everything was very like, how are you going? Like, what's this like? Nothing about the relationship. So if you're going to communicate, don't talk about your relationship because you will just say one thing one time. You'll get caught up and swept in a moment for three seconds and then all of a sudden everything's changed in my experience or opinion. (laughs) <laughs> such a minefield like we really have to just control our emotions yeah, maybe there is something to just finding someone and then just no matter what you stick with them and then no and then, don't go on that because now people are thinking no, I know, out their I know. relationship will be like i know but i just i'm speaking theoretically here yeah because uh it's it's you're, you're giving a lot of power in a way to young people yeah. who are aren't fully developed and and are emotionally immature and and they have the power to completely destroy another person and they do it for the most uh the 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 most inane of yeah like it's it's bigger tits than you (laughs) yeah i'm not feeling it anymore and then you've like ruined that person's life because yeah something stupid like that and then Mm -hmm. you know we're gonna have to sort of navigate this new world where people have just got this uh, this whole jukebox of previous uh, heartbreaks mm-hmm. and mm, yeah, I wonder. I wonder how culture will adapt because again, yeah. the, the 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 biggest ki- like male so it's it is male mental health week is uh, mm-hmm. month and the mm-hmm. biggest killer is mm. relationship breakdown. Exactly. So something's got to give. Something's got to give. All right. Well. Uh, Thank you, Anon, for sending in your question. And if you'd like to send in a question, neilkillhacker.com slash podcasts. Um, subscribe to my YouTube channel if you haven't already. I'm really trying to push that a lot. Uh, follow Eliza on TikTok and Instagram. We didn't have a TikTok yet. Well, they do, but... No, yeah, you do. I don't even know what my username is. Yeah, but you will. I've got four okay. followers. All right, by the <laughs> time this you? is... Yeah, but well, by the time this goes live, there'll be some more videos on her TikTok, all right? Yeah. going to okay. start posting some more highlights on TikTok. And yep. uh, yeah, get get the CBD oil, crushorganics.com. Use the code NEIL. And come see me in Sydney. Come see me in Melbourne. And other come than up that. the coast? Sure. Go and visit Eliza in Gosford. No, I'm, <laughs> I don't. First of all, I'm not in Gosford. I meant, do you have any shows up the coast soon? No, nothing planned. Um, well, you'll keep us updated. I'm well, sure. it's hard because you're not sure whether to do a, just a Central Coast show or if you do a Newcastle show, you know, you can't do both. If anyone is from the Central Coast and listens to this, can you genuinely let me know? <laughs> I very much would like to know. If we have About any what? Central Coast, if we have if any Central any Coast shows. listeners and if you would go to Neil's I'm show. Sure I'm sure there'd be a few. I once did a show in, um, I think it was Gosford, and... Uh, it was on a Thursday in a theatre of 400. I was like, yeah, I'll sell 400. I sold like 80. It was like 80 people <laughs> Which in Which is still really good. I know, it's, it's good. I should have done it in a so bar, good. right? That would have been yeah. an amazing show. Yeah. But uh, it was a bit awkward. Uh, yeah. But it was still a good show. And if anyone's listening who came to that show, thank you. Uh, other than that, I don't think I've done it. I've done Newcastle shows. Done. Um, I've even done shows in the Northern Beaches. But yeah. Not not many. Coast, I went to a comedy show. show with one of my boyfriends at um, Hive Bar, and oh yeah, you know how they have like a rotate. Basically, comedians go the into little, trial. Yeah, yeah. the tiny little. Yeah, I used to and do that we one were all the time. The only two people 
that were there. And can I tell you, <laughs> the obligation like I felt to laugh at every joke was so much pressure because so we had awkward. there was eight comedians and two of us watching, me and my boyfriend. Uh, oh, so that is so awkward. But he also just got ripped the whole time. Exactly what you <laughs> And no one said a mean bar. thing about me the whole time either. I was like, when's my turn to get roasted? Not once. It was always him. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Hive Bar was this tiny little... It's so a great good. comedy night. Yeah. I don't know if it still runs, but it's in it Erskineville in yeah. Sydney. And it's just sort of this upstairs room. I've done trial shows there. I've performed there too. Yeah, because you, you often go there and there's about six people. But it's a really good way to actually test material because if it sucks, yeah. well, six people saw it. So yeah. go check out And they've out got really good bar. vegan food and vegan burgers. So there you go, Neil. Head back there. Yeah, their nuggets were actually good last time. Huh? Um, so yeah, anyway, um, if you're not from New South Wales, I'm not even going to say sorry. That's what you get for not being from New South Wales. At least 10 minutes on every podcast of our supremacy. So, uh, (laughs) thank you for listening guys. And, uh, we'll see you next time. See you next week.